If you've been blessed by the ministry of Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point, we would love to offer you two free ways to stay connected. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash magazine for a subscription to our monthly Turning Points magazine. Each exclusive issue is filled with encouraging articles and daily devotionals to strengthen your spiritual walk. You can also sign up to receive our daily email devotional and be a part of our community of friends who receive daily encouragement delivered straight to their inbox from Dr. Jeremiah. Written in a thought-provoking manner, this concise yet profound daily devotional delivers the refreshment and focus you need as you go about in today's world. You can join the more than 600,000 monthly subscribers who are building their faith each month through these free resources. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. When you look back on your life, are you consumed with bitterness from a painful past or with thankfulness that God brought you through it? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah explores the powerful connection between memory and thankfulness as shown in Psalm 92. With tools to help you develop an attitude of gratitude, here's David to introduce, So Why Should I Be Thankful? And thank you for joining us today for this edition of Turning Point. We're answering some questions that people have asked. And today, here's the question, Why Should I Be Thankful? What's the big deal about gratitude? Isn't it just one of many um, equally important uh, attitudes of life? No, it's not. In fact, I think it may be the most important attitude you can cultivate in your life, the attitude of gratitude. When you're grateful, everything changes. Boy, I've noticed it so much during the coronavirus. There's so many people that I meet every day. All they want to talk about is everything they can't do, all the bad stuff that's happened to them. You turn on the television, it's almost nonstop. But then there are a few folks you meet who just have a smile on their face, and they're just so grateful for everything, grateful for a restaurant that's open so you can eat on the patio, uh, grateful for friends who are still close by for family, grateful that nobody they know is sick. Over and over again, if you want to be grateful, you can cultivate the list. And if you aren't grateful, you will become ungrateful. And that leads you down a path of misery, and uh, you don't want to go there. So hang in there. We're going to talk about that today. So why should I be thankful? What are the core reasons that stand behind gratitude? You know, sometimes life can feel like a never-ending spinning wheel. The headlines keep coming. The updates never end, and the world seems to be moving so quickly. In the busyness and constant motion of our culture, don't forget to take time and remember who God is. In our fast-paced lives, sometimes it's important just to step back, take in a breath of fresh air, and focus on the things that are eternal. That's why I'm so excited about our current resource for the month of September. It's our 2021 calendar, Colors of Creation. Here we celebrate the magnificence of God's creation with beautiful close-up imagery capturing the detail of Earth's beauty. This calendar is our way of saying thank you for your gift during the month of September. You have already heard me during this month give you the logic for a calendar in September. I'll do it again probably before the month's over. But right now, let me encourage you to get this beautiful calendar by sending a gift to Turning Point during the month of September. And when you send your gift, just ask for the calendar. We have them all ready to be shipped. One will be at your door before you know it. Well, you may think what we're talking about today is uh, 
not appropriate for the times in which we live. It is so appropriate you won't believe it. This is gratitude. Why should I be thankful? Charles Dickens wrote a gripping tale called The Haunted Man. In his writing, he tells of a chemist who sat before the fire troubled with unhappy memories. As he sat there in dismal reflection, a phantom appeared and offered the haunted man the opportunity to have his memory destroyed. He immediately closed with the offer and henceforth was a man not only without a memory, but a man who had the power to strip other men of their memories as well. But according to Dickens' story, the gift was a big disappointment. So great was the misery that he asked the phantom to come back. And the tale comes to a conclusion with the man's grateful and earnest prayer, Oh God, keep my memory green. Keep my memory green. Memory is a word which is both bitter and sweet. It is a strong argument for the soul and for life and for life hereafter. Someone has said that memory is the well-stored library of the mind. Memory makes the joys of childhood live again. Memory in the night makes past days to appear all over again. Memory restores the blessedness that once we knew when we saw the Lord. And I love this definition the best. Memory is the angel with the backward look. <laughs> Memory is the key to gratitude. There is a disease that we treat in our culture today that goes by the name amnesia. It is an interesting word, which means actually a without amnesia, mind without memory. Literally, it means without any memory. While it is true that sometimes there are things we wish we could forget, it is also true that it would be very difficult for us to be grateful people if we could not remember, if we could not reflect on what God has done for us. And the Psalms are filled with the exhortation for each of us to take that assignment seriously. Here in Psalm 92, we are instructed that it is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, and to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night on an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, Lord, have made me glad through your work, and I will triumph in the work of your hands. The psalmist said, it is a good thing. It is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. I'd like to reflect with you in three directions. I'd like to ask why it is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. Why should I be thankful? What will it do and what should I expect from it? And first of all, I'd like for you to note with me that thanksgiving and a thankful heart causes us to look upward. In the Word of God, we are constantly admonished to give thanks, and the Word of God usually tells us in the same paragraph of instruction where our thanksgiving is to be addressed. Here in the psalm, which we have opened to, 
it says it is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, almost high. For you, Lord, says verse 4, have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the work of your hands. Verse 5, O Lord, how great are your works, and your thoughts are very deep. And verse 8, but you, Lord, you, Lord, are on high forevermore. The psalm is an instruction to us that thanksgiving, first of all, takes our eyes off of the things that are around us and addresses them upward. Thanksgiving really is that which we offer back to God for what he in turn has given to us. And it is always an upward look. Psalm 107 says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And let them sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Psalm 107, 21 and 22. There have been many who have expressed a spirit of gratitude. And we have read about them both in the tales that have been written about our culture here in America. And especially in England and many of the great historical writings And there are many men in the scripture about whom we read that they were grateful. But there is one man who stands out from all the rest, and that man is the Apostle Paul. I am constantly amazed as I read the letters of the New Testament, which are the focus of our study as New Testament believers, that Paul was a man who was inoculated with a great spirit of gratitude. And I'm reminded as I say that, that he was also the man who suffered greatly who went through many difficult things in his life and yet at the same time was a man who was filled with gratitude. He constantly focused his attention upon God. He wrote to the Ephesians, giving thanks always for all things unto God. He wrote to the Colossians, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. He wrote to the Thessalonians, we give thanks to God always for you. He wrote to young Timothy, I thank Jesus Christ, our Lord, who enabled me. He wrote to Philemon, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayer. The psalmist here in Psalm 92 directs our attention, first of all, upward. And I know that seems rather mundane, and perhaps you wonder why we would even mention such a thing. Doesn't it not normally go with the territory that when you come to church, they tell you to think about God? I understand that the very history of the steeple that is seen in most churches is that it points to God. And that the picture is that the closer one gets to God, the smaller he sees himself to be. So Thanksgiving is obviously God-directed. But isn't it interesting how easily we forget that? And even at Thanksgiving time, we thank each other. We spread Thanksgiving in the spirit of gratitude throughout our home. And we never really stop to reflect upon the fact that Thanksgiving, first of all, is an upward calling. It's a gravitational pull in reverse, bringing our praises upward to God. And someone has given us a litany of the things for which we ought to address Thanksgiving to God for his sovereign control over our circumstances, 
for his gentle compassion in our sorrows, for his consistent faithfulness through our highs and our lows, for his holy character in spite of our sinfulness, for his strong no when we needed to hear it, for his surprising yes when we had the lack of faith to believe it, for his wise wait when we were impatient and rash, for his commitment to us when we wandered away, for his understanding of us when we were confused, for his word that gives us direction, and for his love that holds us close. And that's just a smattering of reasons why we should be thankful to God. But secondly, it is good to give thanks not only because it causes us to look up, it is good to give thanks because it causes us to look around. Paul was not only grateful to God in all of his writings, but he was a man who was into relationships. He wasn't the loner he's often painted to be. In fact, if you read his letters, he can't close out a letter without giving the names of all the people who are with him and all the people that he knows who are at the point of destination of the letter. And he talks about them with fondness and he mentions their names and he usually says something about them. And if you read the letters carefully, you will see that he is always giving thanks to God for people, for friends and for relatives and for people who have come alongside him to encourage him. 1 Timothy 2.1, he says, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications and prayers and intercessions and the giving of thanks be made for all men. Paul says we're to give thanks to God for our friends and for our loved ones. If you read through his epistles, you will see him doing that often. Acts 28.15 says, And from there, when the brethren heard of us, they came to meet us, whom when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. Every time Paul was next to somebody who God sent to minister to him, he was filled with gratitude. Romans chapter 6, he writes, But God be thanked that whereas you were servants of sin, you have obeyed from the heart. He thanks God for the people who respond to the ministry. If you go through all of his letters, I don't think you'll find one that is not salted with the spirit of gratitude for relationships. I don't think you can undersell the importance of friendship. If you have someone you're close to, somebody who's ministering to you, somebody who's put their arm around you on occasion, someone who may cry and laugh with you, the relationship as you look around is a very, very important thing for which to give thanks. If you read the epistles, you will see that Paul had that kind of an incredible fondness for the people who ministered to him. I hear him saying in 2 Timothy to his friends, I wish I could be with you. I'm sad that you can't be here. Bring my coat when you come and especially bring my books. You get the picture as you read the letter that Paul wrote that he was very involved in relationships. When you look around, you can't help but be thankful for relationships. But could I add one other thing? You need to be thankful for circumstances too. Would you please look back with me for a moment at Psalm 92 and notice how he addresses the subject of gratitude. He says, verse 2, We are to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. Hmm. He's chosen the words carefully, at least if they're any mirror of my experience. When I wake up in the morning, I feel the sense of God's presence in my life and so grateful for the night of rest, if indeed it has been such a night, and refreshed for the new day and just the sense of God's presence. There's a Hebrew word, it's the word hesed. 
And it's the word translated loving kindness. And it's a rich, rich word that just describes the goodness and the graciousness of God. In the morning, the psalmist is overwhelmed with God's chesed, his loving kindness. But at night, it's a different word. It's his faithfulness. Who of us have not stood on the edge of a day and looking back over the day, seeing the many places where we could have gotten off the track The many places where if God had not been good to us, we could have truly walked astray and we thank him that he's been faithful to us. But notice, this is every day. This is day in and day out. It is God's goodness to us morning and night. And there's another place where it talks about praising and thanking God at midnight and at noontime. In all of our lives, day in and day out, we're to have a spirit of gratitude. Regardless of the circumstances. And then I want to suggest to you thirdly and finally that thanksgiving causes us to look within. It causes us to look inwardly. Can you look back over this year and chart anything that God has done in your life? Has he grown you up in any way? Has he worked you over in any way? Has he strengthened you at the core of who you are? Can you look back and say, boy, it hasn't been a great year for me But I have learned so much about God during this year. One writer reflects the list of inward praises by saying, Lord, thank you for the gift of good health. Thank you for eyes that see the beauty of your creation, for ears that receive the world of sound surrounding us. Thank you for the special stimulation of taste and touch, for hands to work with and legs to walk with for a mind that is curious and creative and competent, for memories of past pleasures, for heartaches that force me to rearrange my priorities, for broken dreams and lingering afflictions that humbled me, for the courage to tell the truth when it really hurt, for the determination to finish a demanding task, for a sense of humor that brought healing and hope, and for the sheer delight of knowing and walking with you through another year. You know what? I'm just so grateful today that I'm standing behind this place we call the pulpit and still have the privilege of ministry and still have the opportunity to open the book of God with you every week and still have the opportunity to share his truth and to sing his praises and to help lead in worship. And all of that is because of what God is doing and has done in my heart. When I look inward, I see the traces of the hand of God in my life. What an incredible thing to be able to observe. I am not the same man that I was. And though I'm not what I want to be and not what I ought to be, thank God I'm not what I was. Amen? Do you ever stop to look inward and say, God, thank you for what you've done in my life? First we look up. And then we look around. And then we look in. And we're grateful. Lewis Smedes is one of my favorite writers. He wrote an interesting little book. It's kind of a book that was programmed for the secular market called A Pretty Good Person. And what he tried to do in this book was to sort of define, if you ran into somebody and you said, boy, that guy's a pretty good person, what would he be like? What kind of a person is a pretty good person? And he has several things. He talks about courage and grit and all of this sort of thing. But right up front, interestingly enough, He talks about the fact that a pretty good person is a person with gratitude. 
And he tells a story about something that happened in his life. And I want you to listen carefully because I found myself caught up in the spirit of this story and feeling like I had been there a couple of times myself. He said his wife Doris huffed back into our apartment on a frightfully cold December morning and found me collapsed on the tiled kitchen floor of our apartment. My face, she told me later, was a dirty gray, eyes open but looking nowhere, conveying to her a sure sense of death. She kept her head, checked my pulse, and listened for something breathing. When she was satisfied that I had enough breath in me to last a few minutes, she rushed out to call an ambulance. The driver hooked me up to their oxygen tank, loaded us both aboard, skidded us down a country road into the trauma center of the hospital that serves the sturdy people of St. Cloud, Minnesota. And then he reflects. We had pushed each other out of bed early that morning, even though it was 30 degrees below zero, because we were planning to pack our things to leave Minnesota that day and get moving back to our house in Sierra Madre, California. Doris and I had been living in St. John's University, a stone's thrown from St. Cloud for a few months, and were primed for taking off that next day for California. I had slept poorly, wrote Lewis, bothered by dull aches in my right calf during the night, and I got up from bed with a feeling of unease about myself, but it being traveling day, I tried to ignore it. We pulled some clothes over our thermal-knit underwear, ate bowls of hot oatmeal, drank cups of black coffee, tuned to public radio for late reports on road conditions to the south of us where it had been snowing heavily for several days. My unsteadiness did not go away, so I decided to curl up on the couch for a few minutes before I got serious about packing. Doris told me that she was going out to get some traveling suggestions from her sister, but actually, with her intuition for things that might be going wrong, she went to ask for the name of a doctor that she might call in case I was really as sick as she was afraid I was. Having gotten the name of the doctor, she walked back into the kitchen and found me lying near the telephone that had called me off the couch, and I was looking quite dead. My lungs, it turned out, said Lewis Smead, had been spattered by a buckshot of blood clots. And for a couple of days at the hospital, I tilted heavily in death's direction. On the fourth day, a Norwegian physician by the name of Hans Ingman leaned over my bed and congratulated me on surviving the 20 to 1 odds that medical statistics had stacked up against me when they brought me in. Oh yeah, that's terrific, Doc, I said. My heart was not awash with gratitude because I suppose until he told me I was going to live, I had not thought at all about the fact that I was going to die. I closed my eyes and went back to sleep. And then listen to this. But a couple of nights later, in the moody hush that settles on a hospital room at 2 o'clock in the morning, alone and with no drugs inside of me to set me up for it, I was seized with a frenzy of gratitude. Possessed is the word. My arms rose straight up by themselves, he said. A hundred-pound weight could have not have held them to my side. My hands were open, my fingers were spread, waving and twisting while I blessed the Lord for almost unbearable goodness of being alive on this good earth in this good body at this good time, he said. I was flying outside of myself, high, held in weightless lightness, as if my earthly existence needed no ground to rest in, but was hung in space with only love to keep it aloft. I was so grateful. It was then, said Lewis, that I learned that gratitude is the best feeling I would ever feel in all of my life. 
It was the ultimate joy of living. It was better than winning the lottery, better than watching your daughter graduate from college, better and deeper than any other feeling. It is perhaps the genesis of all other really good feelings in the human repertoire. I am sure, he wrote, that nothing in life can ever match the feeling of being fully, totally, completely grateful. You don't have to promote it or force it. What you have to do is get alone with your Bible, read a psalm, and then do three things. Look upward, look around, and look in. Amen. You know, that's such a simple little thing. I, I was reading a book the other day about how triggers help us to remember things. As we get older, we need all of those. For instance, when I am driving my car and it's low on fuel and I don't have time to stop and get it filled up before I have an appointment, I take a magazine and put it over the top of the steering wheel. And it looks so weird when I get in. Oh, yeah, i got to get some gas. And that only has happened to me because I've run out of gas more than I ever should just because I forget. And, you know, when we put triggers in our life to remember, it has the same effect. Why not do that? Why not cultivate this attitude of gratitude as you face the next 24 hours? Tomorrow, we're going to talk about what to do when trouble overwhelms us. What do I do when trouble overwhelms me? We're going to look at Psalm 27. I hope you'll join us as we move through that passage of Scripture together. Hold in my hands the study guide for this series. It's um, 130 pages of notes and outlines, summaries, applications, verses to look up, discussion questions to help you in your interaction with others. Ask about the study guide for God, I Need Some Answers when you call or write today. And be sure to join us tomorrow right here on This Good Station. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's current series, God, I Need Some Answers please visit our website where we offer two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Point, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, ask for your copy of our 14-month 2021 calendar, Colors of Creation, highlighting God's breathtaking handiwork. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard and New International Versions, as well as in Standard or Large Print in the New King James. With helpful notes from over 40 years of study by Dr. Jeremiah, visit davidjeremiah.org radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we conclude, God, I Need Some Answers, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you'll be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. 
we can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Then continue the adventure with monthly audio adventures on airshipgenesis.com. Plus, download the Airship Genesis mobile game where kids will travel back in time to the life of Jesus. Blast off with the young one in your life at airshipgenesis.com.